necessarily those of the station staff, underwriters, or volunteers. Time is made available for all sorts of viewpoints, and thank you so much for choosing to listen to us in a crowded media landscape. And support for KMUD comes from the Redwood Coast Energy Authority, who provides services and support to the community to build energy resilience, reduce energy consumption, and expand the use of climate-friendly electric vehicles. Visit redwoodenergy.org for complete details or call 707-269-1700 for more information. It's time for Ask Your Herb Doctor. Once again, it's Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMUD, Garberville, 91.1 FM. Welcome back. So, every month we have a guest speaker, and that guest speaker is the faithful, ever-reliable, factual, informative Dr. Raymond Pete. And again, this month is no exception. Dr. Pete's going to be joining us uh, to discuss the continuing subject of cancer with reference to autoimmunity and estrogen. Uh, for those people who wish to call in, we invite you to call in. It's a live show. Uh, we encourage the questions related to the subject, uh, but obviously recognize there are instances where people are following protocols and they have questions uh, related to that protocol or indeed any other subject. As Dr. Pete say, a uh, wealth of information and outside of his area of expertise, he often has an answer for many different questions. So um, this month, like I said, is a continuation of a broader discussion on cancer, uh, the alternative approaches to the treatment of cancer, some new research that 
I found here from some 19, uh, sorry, 2020 papers and 2019 papers uh, that have been written on immunotherapy and estrogen and uh, autoimmunity. Uh, so from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in. Uh, the number is 707 KMUD RAD or 986 3911 923 sorry <laughs> 923 3911 so it's area code 707 923 3911 so i think without further ado let's uh, make sure we've got dr p on the air and that um we can get um his explanations as we go through this uh, next 40 uh, 50 minutes uh, okay dr yep. p Yes, I'm here. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, so for those people, as always, I start the shows off just in case. Uh, for those people who perhaps might not have read anything that you've written or heard you speak or um, know anything about you, perhaps it's always possible to new people coming all the time into the alternative scene. Uh, would you just explain your academic and professional background before we get into the show? Okay, um when I graduated from college, uh, that was in uh, the humanities. I was an English major for a while, uh, and then an uh, art uh, and psychology and philosophy major for a while, and worked for several years just in the humanities. Uh, but I, I uh, was specializing in linguistics uh, and wanted to understand how language works in the brain, so I decided to study biology to better understand the brain so I could understand language as a basis for understanding the culture and humanities and so on. But when I got to graduate school at University of Oregon in 1968, I learned that the brain scientists were the most dogmatic, well, the geneticists were more dogmatic, but the brain science people were high status and very dogmatic. So I looked around looking for people oriented towards science rather than dogmatism and found that reproductive physiology people were actually doing research and not throwing away evidence that contradicted them, their basic ideas. So I specialized in the physiology of uh, oxidative metabolism as it changes in the reproductive system with, with aging. And that happened to provide a, a good perspective on how to understand the brain and its energy. And so it, it was useful for my original project. And, and so then I wrote up Mind and Tissue, a, a little book about the... Uh, the history of of people understanding brain metabolism in relation to psychology, uh, and uh, then uh, for ten or twenty years was specializing in the interactions of of hormones and nutrition, counseling people on on the the effects of of living and and uh, eating on your hormonal system and, and aging. All right, something I picked up on there, you said that when you, was, uh, when you decided to follow up uh, your uh, undergraduate stuff, uh, you said that the people, the reproductive physiology people were uh, far less likely to throw away good information uh, related to the research and therefore a little bit more um, careful in sticking to scientific principles and not burying it. And I, I just want to ask you the question before we get into the subject matter. Um, is this because the estrogen industry hadn't really gotten so much traction at this point, uh, by this point? It was still in the early days of its um, push towards, and I guess it links tonight's show because we're talking about estrogen and autoimmunity, but um, did you say that those reproductive physiology people or the people in those departments weren't quite so inclined to throw this stuff away or mire it with... Uh... Uh, uh, yeah, my uh, brain uh, neurobiology professor in in class described uh, doing some research and he said, uh, and then you throw away the, the bad data. Uh, and in the lab, uh, I, would, I would point out uh, an instrument reading to him that was impossible by his 
ideas and it, it just turned off his brain in a flash and he turned away and I'm sure his memory was that he never saw that happen. Okay, let's just hold you hold that thought there for a second, Dr. Pete. And uh, I have a uh, an underwriter I forgot to read, and we love our underwriters because they keep us going. I'm a 11 minutes late. The Southern Humboldt Chamber of Commerce is excited to present their Small Town Christmas Saturday, December 18th. Festivities will begin about 2:30 and end with the Seroptimist Lighted Truck Parade about 6 p.m. Come to downtown Garberville and enjoy a carriage ride, face painting, SFHS boosters at South Park High School boosters. Offer will offer pulled pork and Miranda 4-H Club will have sweet treats. Special deals at merchants throughout town and don't forget to come say hi to Santa and share with him your holiday wishes. Ho, ho, ho. Okay, so Dr. Pete, getting back to uh, the the uh, subject of tonight, estrogen, autoimmunity and cancer. I wanted just to quickly um, pull out uh, basically a paragraph. It's kind of plagiarism. I'm sorry for that, but uh, interesting details. No, a, a paragraph is uh, considered uh, fair use. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, thank you. I mean, that. in sight, sight where it came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, actually, you know what? I don't have the article that was pulled from, but it was one of those uh, 2021 articles from PubMed. Um, so PubMed, okay, it's one of the, it was a university paper, but I didn't actually have this one down. So it just said that why women are more susceptible to autoimmune diseases is not completely clear, uh, but new data suggests that the hormone estrogen may play an important role. A new study now shows that estrogen activates the expression of AID, which is activation-induced deaminase, which is a protein that drives antibody diversification by deaminating cytosine in DNA to uracil. If estrogen increases the level of AID, increased mutations could transform benign antibodies into self-anti-self pariahs, and AID might also contribute to cancer, particularly in breast tissue, which is highly responsive to estrogen by introducing mutations and strand breaks into the genome. So I just wanted to read that out because the um, conversation that I had earlier with Dr. Pete about tonight's show, uh, he said that he was looking more and doing more research into autoimmunity uh, and how estrogen unfavorably influences the immune system to basically uh, become a self-destructive mechanism or by knocking out things like nuclear factor kappa beta prevents... Uh, that, that article you cited is an extremely important landmark in uh, not just autoimmunity, but uh, one of the very earliest estrogen cancer researchers, Lionel Strong, showed that estrogen destabilizes the whole genome, promotes a tendency to develop an uneven number of chromosomes by losing or gaining uh, an extra chromosome or piece of chromosome. Uh, 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 so it's a, a genetic destabilizer, and that's exactly what this article you cite. It, it focuses on one single enzyme, which is when it functions, it helps to produce the essentially infinite variety of antibodies that we can make by creating extreme rate of mutation locally, but that same destabilizing process uh, works on many levels, uh, uh, all the way to the, the shape and, and function of the basic uh, cell, not just that, that one uh, uh, mutation-promoting enzyme. Uh, and uh, the, um, uh, when, when you uh, look at these landmarks, it's important to keep in mind that in between the big landmarks, like that article uh, on the AID uh, mutagenic enzyme, uh, uh, in between these landmarks you have uh, an almost uh, continuous, uh, seamless bunch of uh, other changes that estrogen is uh, acting on and producing that all tend in the same direction. It's uh, the, the reductionist mechanistic approach uh, just can't look at the fact, but wherever you look, uh, probably thousands of different places are cooperating 
with that destabilizing effect uh, on that one en- enzyme, but uh, uh, increasing the water content of the cell, for example, uh, helps to destabilize the whole system. Uh, and uh, uh, hardening collagen, uh, lowering oxygen tension, uh, increasing nitric oxide production, uh, histamine production. Uh, everywhere you look, it would take about an hour just to identify uh, the, the main pro-inflammatory uh, mechanisms that have been identified. But the interesting thing is it's holistic, almost seamlessly uh, interacting of one factor supporting another factor. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm very pleased that you said that. I was so happy to find the article. I, I couldn't hardly, well, I couldn't hardly believe what I was reading because so often has been for the last 15 years. Uh, well, not quite that long with you, obviously. I we met you in 20, 2007, but um, since I've been looking at articles to do shows and to come up with information and to discuss things and bring to the greater awareness. Uh, people's understanding of how they're being duped, as it were, by the system. And we'll talk a little bit late, late, later on towards the end of the show about the authoritarianism, uh, which you've often mentioned in uh, science and in the university systems. Um, how people are being duped by the the status quo and what they're told to accept or not. But I couldn't hardly believe the article when I read it because along with that, and there was another one, a 2019 publication, that one was a 2021 publication. I was like, wow, they're actually saying this. They're actually saying it the way it is. This is what you've been saying for a long, long time. And I know we'll come back to that quip that you've mentioned years and years and years ago, you know, uh, a lie gets around the world faster than truth can get tired of shoelaces. Um, but I was so heartened to see this article and read about it because researchers and scientists were actually disclosing this now and because it's been buried and hidden for so long because the estrogen industry is so powerful. And that's why I mentioned when you first started talking about your bio, um, you know, the uh, people in reproductive physiology perhaps weren't so keen to throw stuff away because they weren't as brainwashed, perhaps probably because the estrogen industry hadn't got as much traction as it has now, uh, both in Congress as well as in uh, pharmaceutical, uh, you know, <laughs> frameworks that there's so much money behind it now that it's very easy to just blind people to the truth and keep perpetuating the lie uh, in an authoritarian fashion, which the medical system emphasizes and epitomizes completely. I, I, I've often wondered how my uh, thesis advisor, uh, Arnold Soderwall, how he came to be so... Uh, open to the facts and and resistant to the uh, industry position. Uh, and, and I think it was partly that he was born and educated before the power of the uh, industry took over. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was aware of the research that was done in the 1930s, mm-hmm. absolutely contradicting everything that since 1944, the uh, estrogen industry has foisted onto the public. Yeah. Okay. We're getting to the getting to the meat and potatoes, as it were, of uh, what you've recently been researching uh, as a continuation of a thread you've held for a long time, along with the polyunsaturates being so damaging for the system, uh, both genetically and, and energetically. Um, so far as autoimmunity and estrogen is concerned, I, I pulled out quite a few little snippets from either PubMed or other internet source documents that are researched and uh, validated by uh, references to the articles by which they're claiming that what they're saying is the way it is. Um, so the autoimmunity feature uh, or the autoimmunity predisposing activity of estrogen, how it's so negative, not just because it's cancer-forming, but uh, in, in terms of its destabilizing things, as you mentioned, like water logging the cell and decreasing the energy availability and causing chaos in the cell generally, how this can result in chromosomal changes. But autoimmunity per se, um, how do you see estrogen driving that in terms of what you're currently seeing and building on? Um, the the um, pro-inflammatory uh, part of uh, inflammation and immunity uh, that is activated by estrogen, such as histamine 
uh, nitric oxide and serotonin. Uh, It's an essential part of getting things started, but the next step is to turn off the excitatory process that got things started and uh, focus on maturing the cells. Once they got shaken up by a little inflammation, then you have to give form to it. And the estrogen-releasing histamine, for example, activates many other pro-inflammatory things and activates cells, gets cell division going, and increases the the production of antibodies. The B cells are activated by estrogen, and the thymus cells, the whole thymus gland, shrinks very quickly in the presence of, of either estrogen or, or glucocorticoids, steroids. Uh, and the, if you knock out the thymus T cells that restrain the antibody production, uh, things like this enzyme you just cited, AID, uh, those have become uh, more and more dominant the B cells being activated in many ways by estrogen, including knocking out the restraint from from the T cells, that creates varied, sort of random, irrational activity of the antibodies being produced by this overactivity of the B cells. And in that relatively random activity, uh, that's where some of the antibodies cause damage rather than contributing to cleaning up the uh, infection process. So what what goes wrong, Dr. Pete, if the estrogen is a, um, an important stimulator of inflammation for healing purposes, at what what point does it go wrong or why does it go wrong that it then becomes a chronic inflammatory stimulator? Um, yeah, it's exactly the same thing that happens in pregnancy. Estrogen and histamine create a little focus of activity in the uterus and inflammation that the conceptus takes advantage of and, and gets into the uterus. But then if that process of local inflammation, histamine, and estrogen kept dominating, uh, it would uh, interfere with the oxygen and, and glucose supply. So to, to, to the fetus. Uh, yeah, you've got to stop the excitation and the inflammation before the uh, uh, pregnancy to really start by delivering glucose and and uh, oxygen to the tissue. So, when, and, and people... and it's progesterone rising. Uh, the, the one of the natural functions of estrogen is to evoke the progesterone receptor, making the cells open to uh, being turned off by uh, progesterone. So it's sort of an automatic process. The uh, estrogen should excite and inflame uh, the, the tissue, but immediately turn the tissue towards looking for relief from progesterone by increasing the uh, progesterone receptor. And if you can produce progesterone, partly acting through the progesterone receptor, partly uh, outside uh, that uh, way of influencing one of the first effects of progesterone is to knock out the estrogen about roughly 10 different ways. Progesterone knocks out those pro-inflammatory effects of estrogen, turning off the production of estrogen, knocking out the estrogen receptor so the tissue is less sensitive to estrogen and changing the metabolism and so on. And that exactly what happens to make pregnancy possible is what happens every time you have 
a little injury that evokes the, the estrogen-activated uh, start of the healing or immune process, uh, that should increase the uh, cell's ability to re receive and be saved or, or matured uh, by progesterone produced elsewhere in the organism. So for women that have autoimmune conditions, is that something you would recommend they use as progesterone to help combat the inflammatory, um, overactive, immune-stimulating effects of the estrogen? Um, yeah, people are now recognizing the role of, of progesterone along with DHEA and thyroid, but over the last 50 years or so, I've seen several women with uh, seriously uh, 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 debilitating effects of lupus, SLE, lupus erythematosus, uh, and uh, just by taking thyroid and progesterone, uh, all of their symptoms over a period of several weeks uh, faded away. Because the thyroid is combating the estrogen, helping improve the liver's ability to excrete it and detoxify it and increasing the oxygen to the cell to get it to work better so it can um, <clears throat> not yeah. be over-manufacturing inflammatory and, mediators. Yeah, and making more progesterone. And helping the progesterone production to counterbalance the high estrogen. And, right. Dr. what role do you think, like, plastics in our environment play stimulating estrogens? I mean, is this something that we're now going to be permanently scarred with, women and, and men, <coughs> children? I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's actually part of another question I had for him later on, but carry on. Uh, uh, yeah, there are the, the water... Uh, Birth control pills uh, getting into the sewage, uh, much of it ends up in the uh, uh, water of, of rivers uh, and uh, uh, recycles. And uh, there are natural sources of estrogens, but just the, uh, the tremendous uh, flow of estrogen down the sewers uh, is a tremendous polluting source. Uh, uh, but... Um, uh, the, there are the plastics, uh, the uh, 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 agents used to uh, make stiff plastics uh, more flexible uh, are uh, effective estrogen in very small amounts. Uh, and all of the water supply of the world is contaminated with those. They're saying that the levels of cancer now that they're putting down to it. I'm glad you said that. My backup, Sarah, to um, just say that one of one of the questions I was going to pose to you is around bisphenol A and the catastrophe that we're seeing uh, worldwide with um, environmental contaminants uh, from the plastics industry. Uh, is fueling the cancer rates uh, worldwide because it's directly implicated in the estrogenization um, of the organism, male or female, uh, as well as fish and everything else that's swimming about in the water. Um, so you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor, KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM. Uh, Dr. Raymond P. PhD is with us, uh, and we are discussing the subject of autoimmunity, cancer, and estrogen. Uh, right about now, 7.30 to 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with questions, either directly posed to Dr. P. on the subject or uh, any other health questions that you have. The number here is 707-923-3911. Uh, so we'll be taking calls from now until 8 o'clock. Uh, well, let's not quite get into the plastics yet, but um, I think just on the subject of autoimmunity and how the immune system basically targets itself when it's under the effects of estrogen uh, and how that can fuel cancer through chromosomal changes and damage, uh, that puts the body's immune surveillance outside of the range of doing what it should do, uh, but turns it against itself. Um, I looked at... Uh, because we've always, they've always said, well, not always said, but they, you know, fairly recently, in the last 15, 20 years, have been saying that viruses, oncogenetic viruses, um, have been discovered and that, you know, they, they posited then 20, 30 years ago, perhaps that these viruses may well be uh, implicated in spontaneous cancer uh, arising. And I remember things like wart viruses um, being implicated in the production of cancers. Um, but Epstein-Barr virus, virus is also another one of those I saw in some recent research uh, 
related to autoimmune disease, such as Hashimoto's thyroiditis and Graves' disease, rheumatoid, and then you mentioned lupus and Sjogren's syndrome. Um, so the uh, viral uh, interference, as it were, um, towards promoting destabilization and uh, autoimmune thyroid uh, disease from uh, viral inclusions uh, as a autoimmunity. Um, yeah, do you go along with that kind of part, that kind of uh, theory? Yeah, the, the same inflammation that leads to uh, the, the direct actions of uh, estrogen on the T and B cells uh, and on their uh, uh, ability to make uh, uh, the safe type of antibodies. Uh, that whatever the inflammation is. Is affecting all of the cells of your body, uh, shifting them a little bit to the uh, uh, unstable tendency to uh, uh, lack enough oxygen and uh, take up more water than uh, is desirable. I've got a. Let me have a uh, caller on the air. Our first one for this evening. So let's hold you right there, Doctor Pete, and uh, take this first caller. Caller, where are you from? And what's your question? I'm from Squirrel Ridge, and this is Joe, and I was wondering if there's a correlation between the plastics makers and uh, the pharmaceutical industry. A correlation between the plastics makers, the industry, the plastics mm -hmm. industry? Yes, the people who are, who are, who are making the plastics oh, and yeah. the people oh. who are holding the patents to the yeah, I, I, to the chemotherapy. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that for a minute, but Dr. Pete, uh, in terms of uh, petrochemical industries and uh, pharmaceutical companies. Uh, what do you think about that collusion, perhaps? It is a known fact that the Roundup company also holds, holds the patents to the medicine that cures the same illness mm -hmm. or pretends to cure well, the they same don't illness. Cure, yeah, they don't cover want to up cure. the symptoms of, of the illness that the dandelion root would mm -hmm. cure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I t totally agree, Doctor Pete. What do you uh, What do you have and to then, say? And the other question I have: When will they be held accountable for, <laughs> yeah, for when, destroying when, this earth? Yeah, when will they be held accountable for a lot of things? Uh, hopefully, that's hope. Hope uh, we we all hope for that. So let's not give up hope. But Doctor Pete, what do you think about petrochemical uh, pharmaceutical collusion? Oh, oh the, those are the most powerful mm -hmm. industry next to oh. the military uh, arms industry. Yeah. And they have had control of the government regulatory agencies for well over 100 years. And it's a less powerful industry, the asbestos industry, compared to pharmaceuticals and petrochemicals, asbestos wasn't such a huge, powerful industry, but it took about a hundred years to reduce the public's exposure to uh, carcinogenic levels of, of uh, asbestos. So, so uh, the government is working against the public uh, on matters of pollution. And also, Dr. Pete, haven't you told us that um, estrogen is manufactured from petrochemical products? Uh, uh, the original ones were uh, diacyl steel bestrol. Uh, it, it was so cheap. Uh, it was a perfect drug. Uh, it cost nothing to manufacture, uh, but it had very powerful estrogen-like effects that, that uh, uh, let it... Uh, it. It was continuing to be used to treat uh, uh, prostate cancer into the uh, right the very end of the 20th century. They were still using it. And that's what you believe causes prostate cancer, right, is the exactly, estrogen. Yeah. And that treatment was based on zero evidence. It was a total matter of opinion, contrary to all of the research in animals. But it affected many millions of men for about 55 years. It sounds like the true mark of the authoritarian. Uh, true. 
Okay, so you're listening to Ask Europe, Dr. KMUD Garberville, 91.1 FM, Dr. Raymond P., our special guest, uh, here to answer questions uh, either about the subject of tonight's uh, autoimmunity, cancer and estrogen, or any other health-related questions you have that you feel Dr. P. has the answer for, and he has the answers. <laughs> so the number here is 707-923-3911. Um, I'm going to make a little departure from um, autoimmunity per autoimmunity's sake, but just ask you, and I've got a little kind of paragraph of some work I saw that I think, I don't know if you'll go along with it, but let me just see if you will. What do you, what do you think about methane? Because I have a, an article about DIM for anti-estrogenic purposes. I bet that there were studies in fish in which it had a pro-estrogenic effect. Mm. So uh, I've been a little skeptical of it, but to the extent uh, uh, that you can show, for example, in humans, that it is protective, then it's a, a pretty safe material. Just just eat your your cabbage and broccoli. <laughs> kale. <laughs> I, I like yeah. kale. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then I, I saw, and from a botanical perspective, it interests me. I caught, I caught it right away because I remember um, working in the botanic gardens in Cambridge. Uh, this plant, this climbing uh, cucurbitaceous plant in the in the cucumber family called um, Momordica charantia, bitter melon. Um, they're saying that it has uh, strong uh, estrogen modulating properties and that in rats, bitter melon reduced estrogen levels notably. And another study found four specific constituents from bitter melon possess significant antagonism of estradiol and estrogen receptors. So I wonder if that plant caught my attention for any other reasons other than that, but I thought it was quite pertinent. These uh, bright orange uh, kind of gourds, but they're not gourd-shaped, but they're kind of like you know, swollen cucumbers with lots of spines on them. Um, so getting back to uh, autoimmunity and other substances that affect um, estrogen and, and decrease estrogen's ability to wreak havoc on the chromosome and to uh, reduce T helper cells and the other parts of the immune system so that it can evade detection and or be uh, arrested much sooner than it is in most people. Uh, 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 there are two factors that powerfully uh, go with the uh, uh, inflammation and uh, destabilizing effect of, of estrogen uh, adding to the uh, tendency to develop autoimmunity. One is uh, endotoxin, uh, and uh, the if you're uh, overloaded with estrogen, your blood vessels tend to be leaky, and that in itself uh, increases the risk of exposure to endotoxin, which intensifies that leakiness and affects all of your cells, uh, tending to make them leaky or, or uh, overlaid overloaded with uh, uh, water and uh, having the signs of inflammation. Uh, the, the other uh, main factor is the polyunsaturated fatty acids uh, and the prostaglandins that they are converted to. Uh, uh, both free polyunsaturated fatty acids, uh, uh, they, they have a direct effect activating uh, estrogen uh, uh, for example, knocking out the uh, estrogen-binding protein so that the estrogen is freed to, to be more active and effective uh, and uh, increasing the uh, ability of cells to take up the polyunsaturated fats. And then the, uh, under the influence of estrogen, the excitatory prostaglandins are activated and uh, they, in a healthy situation, the prostaglandins are blocked by uh, progesterone in, in multiple ways, uh, stopping the synthesis and accelerating the uh, degrading metabolism of the prostaglandins. Uh, so the balance, uh, when, once you shift over to the uh, uh, estrogen influence, you're at increased risk from the polyunsaturated fats and the endotoxin coming from your intestine. All right, good. I, I'm glad you mentioned that endotoxin and leaky gut because there was another direct article uh, that associated leaky gut with being the initial insult that allowed these fragments to pass across the, into the <coughs> bloodstream and uh, set up 
uh, autoimmunity um, because they're recognized as foreign and um, some of these substances um, they mention things like gliadin uh, from gluten and that pr- protein I couldn't actually I didn't actually have the time to look at it I looked at the structure of triiodothyronine and thyroxine uh, someone was saying I can't quote the person's name, but I've got a small paragraph from their article. They said that the gliadin molecule was very similar to T3 and T4 structure and how when gliadin got across a leaky gut um, and the permeability allowed that kind of thing to happen, that within the bloodstream, uh, our own immune system, unfortunately, would recognize that gliadin molecules being so similar to thyroid that it would actually cause an autoimmune thyroiditis as a, as a consequence. Do you, do you know anything about uh, gluten structure and gl- uh, oh, protein? Oh, oh yeah, the, for a, a long time, the celiac disease mm-hmm. has been increasing right. right along with the exposure to estrogen. It has gone from mostly a, a childhood disease to mostly an adult women. Uh, and uh, there are several uh, things that overlap antigenically uh, with uh, uh, the tissues under the influence of estrogen and gluten. Uh, and uh, in, in particular... Let, let me, can I hold you there? I don't mean to butt in, Dr. P, but we've got two callers on the air. So let's take these two callers first, and then we'll carry yes, on. Yes, because we definitely want to, I want to hear what he has to say about the right. interaction of gluten and estrogen, if we have time. Yeah, let's go gluten. I'll make a note of that. But Dr. P, let's take this first caller out of two. Caller, you're on the air. Where are you from? What's your question? Hi. Actually, I'm in Garberville right now. Um, you guys started touching on this, um, so maybe it's a perfect time to ask. But I was going to ask, I don't want to limit it to three foods, but what are like three foods or three categories of foods one can avoid that are um, that you would say are highly carcinogenic? And, and as far as the worst foods for you to put in your body, how would you say that would compare? I don't know if you can compare it to, say, smoking cigarettes. Thank you. So carcinogenic foods. The what food? What would you say would be the top three carcinogenic foods? Uh, oh, uh, uh, polyunsaturated fats. Yeah. Yeah. Any vegetable seed oil, liquid seed oil, that is polyunsaturated. Olive oil is ninety percent monounsaturate, ten percent polyunsaturate. So Otherwise, all the other seed oils are polyunsaturated. So, Dr. Pete Poofer, the first one. How about number two? Uh, I would put. Uh, uh, the the um, pro-inflammatory amino acid, uh, tryptophan, uh-huh. uh, I would say, was a, a, a number two methionine, cysteine, and tryptophan. And what are some foods touching that? <laughs> uh, uh, High-quality proteins in excess. <laughs> Things like so lots and lots of turkey. Uh, well, that's, so that's uh, basically um, not more than four ounces of meat per day is what you have generally recommended for someone trying to avoid carcinogenic excess of uh, protein. Uh, um, yeah, definitely you don't want to eat a pound or hmm. pound and a half of meat per day. Okay, so PUFA, pro-inflammatory amino acids, uh, particularly tryptophan, uh, and what else do you think number three contender for you know, cancerous uh, foods? Um, um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I would... Anything that contains a, a very great excess of iron, I think, should have a, a high spot. Okay. And, and how does that uh, relate to smoking a pack a day of cigarettes? How does it relate to what? Yeah, so how, how is, say, having a, a diet rich in PUFAs uh, compared in cancer risk to smoking a pack a day of cigarettes, American cigarettes? Uh, oh, the, the PUFAs are, are probably the biggest carcinogenic part of the American diet. Okay, that was the first caller. Thanks for your question, caller. So let's move on to the second caller. Caller, you're on the air. Um, where are you from? What's your question? Yes, good evening. I'm calling from Garberville as well. Wow. I was curious. Uh, you answered my first question, which was uh, the uh, I, I eat a lot of uh, olive oil, which is uh, unfiltered, which is fabulous stuff. So you've answered that question already, the mono. And so the qu- second question was, uh, in relationship to our other caller, who asked what the most carcinogenic foods were, uh, does uh, whole wheat flour fall under that end? Uh, how about what is uh, is the constituents of chicken a healthy thing to eat? And I'll take my answer up here. Thank you very much, gentlemen. 
whole, whole wheat flour? Uh, um, it, the, the reason uh, flour uh, uh, and grains uh, were polished, white rice, for example, uh, and white flour, is that the whole grains uh, get rancid and toxic uh, fairly quickly in storage. Uh, and so if, if you're going to eat the whole wheat flour soon after it's ground, it's probably not so bad, but still, uh, once it gets in your blood, uh, those um, excess polyunsaturated fats are starting to react with uh, iron in your blood uh, to produce uh, lipid peroxides and uh, free radical toxins. Uh, the, um, the polished rice has very little nutritional value, but it's at least a way to see worst effects of storage toxins. The rancidity, it's not going to go rancid white rice. Uh, yeah, very, Even, very little rancidity. So it prevents starvation because it doesn't have any other nutrients besides the carbohydrate. Calories. <laughs> I actually, I found myself sitting by an Asian-American professor of nutrition, and I asked him, you know, hippies eat brown rice, obviously that's best. Why, why isn't that done in Asia? And he said that it was a storage issue because with white rice, there's not enough nutrition that a weevil can't reproduce. But if they're eating whole grain right. meals or grains, mm -hmm. then they're able to reproduce and you get an infestation instead of just losing a few grains. Well, there's another reason. <laughs> yeah, because it was everybody there ate tons of vegetables and, and, and some high-quality meat, and so it wasn't an issue of fiber and vitamins. It was right. a storable, transportable food for armies and bureaucrats. <laughs> and the caller asked about chicken, your specific view on yeah. chicken, too? Um, um, on a typical industrial diet, chicken is full of very unstable polyunsaturated fats, uh, and uh, uh, I think it uh, in, in excess is pretty carcinogenic. But if you had access to good, fresh, locally raised chicken from a, a yeah, if free chicken, diet, no more than four ounces a day is okay? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. It's same with pork. Uh, industrial pork has over 30% PUFA in the fat, uh, and if people are careful what they feed their pigs, the, the fat goes down almost like beef, 4% proof of the fat. If you're not feeding them corn and all those PUFA-rich grains, then the fat of the chicken and the fat of the pork or the pig will be less full of those toxic polyunsaturated or PUFA oils, we call them PUFA. Yeah, like the traditional pig diet of whey and old vegetables. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Rib, Dr. K. Medigabal, 91.1 FM. From now until the close of the show, probably at 5 to the hour, you're invited to call in the question 707-923-3911. Uh, Dr. P., before you lose the train of thought, not that you do lose too much, <laughs> if anything much, uh, gluten and estrogen. Uh, Sarah so wanted to make sure that we got that connection. Uh, yeah, there, there's a, a, a enzyme transglutaminase, is in common between uh, uh, gluten and, for example, the lining of the intestine acted upon by uh, estrogen. Uh, and so if we have antibodies to the foreign protein gluten, they will act against our own tissues as far as they're under the influence of estrogen, uh, which induces the transglutaminase. And the transglutaminase uh, aspect of estrogen, it's the cross-linking uh, enzyme that hardens collagen and under the influence of estrogen uh, producing transglutaminase, collagen itself uh, becomes hardened and carcinogenic. Rather than flexible. Interesting. We have another caller on the air, so let's uh, let's go there first. He was able to do it in five words. Opinion on eating flax, or sorry, hemp seed and pumpkin seed. Hmm. Uh, hemp, hemp, hemp seed versus pumpkin seed. Or, or either, or both. both. Or both yeah. um, they are not necessarily the worst for the proof of it. I wouldn't... 
say it's something that you should do regularly because of the uh, the breakdown products. They're probably uh, fairly rancid by the time you ingest them anyway. Okay, we've got one more caller on the air, and I think we're going to leave this next caller coming to be the last one, just so that the engineer uh, can clear up for 8 o'clock, and I'm going to carry on talking with you, Dr. Pete. Uh, so let's take this next caller uh, call away from, what's your question? I'm just from Redway, and I, my question is, you know, I'm a construction worker, so I work in the, with, um, you know, the typical construction materials, mm-hmm. be they, um, you know... Uh, Laminated glues, butyl... Glue, ABS glue, yeah. I, I cut ABS glue all the pipe all the time. Mm-hmm. And those, I would assume, are exuding the same kind of the bioestrogens that you're referring to. Um, I, and then, you know, and then there's also insulation mm-hmm. and... Those, I would really love to hear a program, if you don't mind me hijacking it for a second, to to talk about the the things that 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 uh, you know that the, the general public are exposed to on a. But I do. I, I'm you know I would love to hear about ABS mm-hmm. and PVC, polyvinyl mm-hmm. chloride, yeah. and and how, how those um, chemicals. Um, react and 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 I, I'm afraid I didn't listen to your show before this, but I would really love to know because I do work with them often. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dr. P, let's uh, thank you for your question, Corey. Let's uh, give it over to Dr. P first, and then just remind you uh, that on our website uh, we do run. Oh, 85% of the shows that we've done, I still have a lot to put up from 2021, 20 and 21, unfortunately. There's some of the hottest stuff we've done, actually, on COVID. But, Dr. P, the um, building materials, I mean, not just in California with their supposed safe regulations, and we'll get into that at some other point, but um, the glues and, you know, the PVCs and all of the sealants and solvents and... Christie's hot glue. I hate the smell of that stuff. Even, even the safety law... Uh, system as far as it's uh, existing, uh, it's really part of of a superstructure uh, that enforces uh, the use of the dangerous materials. Mm-hmm. That they uh, have laws to supposedly protect you against them, but the basic system is designed to direct production uh, towards. Uh, these cheapest and most dangerous chemicals uh, in the long run uh, 10 years or more uh, I think the problem uh, would uh, be solved very economically uh, instead of uh, continuing the deforestation to make lumber and plywood uh, and and so on uh, and then support fire departments to put out houses that are (laughs) burning down uh, living in Mexico, I, I was interested that there are practically no fire departments because well, it's all, Adobe. all mud and cement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, mud and cement uh, are very cheap pretty, pretty building benign. materials. Uh, they pollute very little. You you, you grind up yeah. uh, some some rocks Natural and rock. uh, uh, can can make your house uh, yeah, any any shape you want, uh, and it's yeah. chemically inert once it gets in place yeah you can burn seashells and make your own lime slate lime it's just uh okay so So, so what are some dietary strategies if you've been working all day with these horrible chemicals what should you eat and what should you do to get that stuff out of your body that's what i was just going to ask dr pete in the last couple minutes of this show um let's discuss some ways to help protect ourselves against the carcinogenic effects of estrogen and i know you've gone on about raw grated carrot and how effective they are at helping to decrease the endotoxin that we were talking about earlier but also that they can actually absorb estrogen from the bowel Uh, any good fiber that isn't too poisonous uh, carrots have their own poisons but uh, the the fiber keeps us from absorbing uh, when when it's raw carrot uh, and moderately uh, shredded uh, we absorb very little of the uh, irritating or toxic chemicals, but uh, other fibers uh, you might find uh, more agreeable. Uh, anything from well-cooked mushrooms or bamboo shoots 
uh, e even to a, a well-cooked bran, oat bran, for example, uh, has a fiber effect of getting the intestine out of your intestine so it doesn't recycle and poison your liver. Uh, and so keeping the intestine as clean as possible uh, means uh, also keeping a, a, a rapid transit time uh, and avoiding irritating foods that could uh, cause uh, uh, inflammation and constipation. Uh, and uh, part of the effect is to watch that your thyroid isn't suppressed because that will slow the elimination of estrogen. Uh, so keeping your metabolic rate up, uh, keeping a temperature around 98.6 during the peak of the daytime, uh, that will uh, tend to give you a quick uh, uh, peristalsis and uh, uh, get things through your intestine before they have a chance to irritate and uh, produce endotoxin and recycle estrogen. And the other two supplements that are very helpful with keeping estrogen at bay or, you know, in our food, calcium is definitely one of them that helps to keep estrogen levels low, and vitamin D. Those are two other supplements that you can take or, you know, hopefully you're getting your calcium from uh, dairy and green leafy vegetables. And because they keep your metabolic rate higher the way thyroid does, the uh, calcium, especially from low-fat milk supported by vitamin D, both are very good for weight loss. And then okay. lastly, one, one last thing is progesterone is a direct combat uh, molecule to estrogen. Okay, let's hold it there, folks. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Peter. I'll just give out your information here. Okay. Okay, for those of you who've listened to the show, uh, Dr. Raymond Pete, uh, com. plenty of articles to read, lots of science backing it. Uh, our website, westernbotanicalmedicine.com, we've got probably 12 years, 13, 14 years of archived shows. I've got all of the shows from 20 and 21 to go up. Unfortunately, haven't done it, been very busy, but there are lots of COVID shows there to show how ridiculous this entire farce is. I wanted just to finish up the show um, where we we're going to discuss a little bit about authoritarianism and I uh, just this afternoon when I was getting the stuff together for the show during the course of the afternoon here um, came up with what I want to read out now and it's just like a, a bit of a eulogy for all you guys listening out there and for people for future posterity but basically I called it authoritarianism and the age of acceptance. Have it all and have nothing. We're evolving as a species and with our evolution comes the concept of deranged acceptance. Nature is not accepting but rather through evolutionary pressure it selects the fittest and is quite barbaric. It takes no prisoners and is quite merciless. Rules exist and nature obeys them set from the foundation of the world which we recently have also learned to meddle with and derange like viruses and gain of function research and the origins of COVID. The opposite perhaps of the all-encompassing embrace of everything is allowable are the immutable laws set in place which we are constrained to like time gravity and death authoritarianism like cultural marxism is at odds with our founding father's constitution of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness which is a god-ordained decree immutable and self-evident echoing martin luther's famous speech from the emancipation proclamation like gain-of-function research and authoritarianism, these are set at odds with their counterpart and are to be resisted with your life. Evolution demands that fitness be preserved and aimed at physically and spiritually, and so with increasing authoritarianism and draconian legislation aimed at making us happier to coexist with everything except everything, have no boundaries and have no morals, I'll leave you with this. Have at it, or resist and live. 2022 will soon be here, but we will move on. And for those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you all. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Good night. Good night.
Well, that's an adventure of a 